Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the 21st episode of your new favorite internet show, VisionCon Live. I'm your host, Zach Wilson, but you didn't come here to see me today. You came to see the woman of the hour. She's Ash from Pokemon, Sailor Pluto from Sailor Moon, Manuela from Fire Emblem Three Houses, just to name a few. She's the elegant queen of all of our childhoods. Ladies and gentlemen, please help me welcome the one, the only, Veronica Taylor. Veronica, how you doing today? I'm good, thanks. Thank you everyone for joining us today. Thanks, Zach, for having me on the show. Oh my gosh, thank, thank you. Now, you know, I cannot think of a better guest to have for the 21st episode of Vision Con Live, and as well as the last celebrity that will see me as a 24-year-old. Oh, because your birthday's coming up birthday one is, day. My birthday is tomorrow. However, yeah. at the end of this, there is also another event tomorrow that we're going to get to in a minute involving you. But we'll get to that at the end because, ladies and gentlemen, I just have one question I want to start this out with, Veronica Taylor. Like I've said, you are a massive success Everybody knows who you are and the voices that you have given these dynamic characters. But I want to start at the beginning. Now, was this always the plan growing up? Did you always know that you were going to one day become this massive success that you are today? Or was this just some things happened throughout your life that brought you to this moment? Uh, I think everyone imagines that they will be a massive success. <laughs> you don't know exactly where the steps are that you need to walk up to get there. Sure. And you don't, you shouldn't have so much, um, you shouldn't have such a big ego to know that it's not all about you. So I would say um, the real answer is I decided when I was five that I wanted to be an actor and luckily today I am. But the steps I took to get here were a lot of hard work, not unlike Ash on his Pokemon journey. Um, I did every play I could in school, in elementary school, high school, I went to college and grad school for acting. I toured the country, the US, with um, a few acting troops. Um, and then I've, I've done tons of things. So the fact that I'm still working every day as an actor is the greatest thing for me. Did I intend to be mostly doing voice-related work? No, I just wanted to be an actor. So how did that kind of transition? Because you know, acting and voice acting, you know, they're both two sides of the same coin. They're both the same, right, right. Yeah, they both take the same skills, the same talents, you know, and the same hard work, but uh, to specialize in voice acting, kind of how did that transition happen? Uh, I think it's just opportunity. Um, I, I was working on a play actually when I got the audition for Pokemon, which was, I got that audition because I had been um, recommended by someone else because I had been working on Slayers and, you know, so all, that way a lot of it's recommendation networking um but i started working on pokemon and then other auditions kind of came along through that and um i do many voice related things not just cartoons but it just kind of evolved again another pokemon reference but um <laughs> our whole lives it's a, a poke pokemon world um but so i it was just um in a sense being in the right place at the right time and getting an audition. I think that's the, that's the biggest uh, difficulty, the biggest hurdle that people have is getting an audition. You could do voice related, so many amazing voices, but if you never get the audition to be heard, there's no chance that you'll get the job. And I find that's the biggest, um, 
I, I think that's the most difficult part of being an actor in general. Um, being an artist, being a musician, it's getting noticed. How do you, how does someone find you? So for me, um, so far it was being in the right place at the right time. Right, fair enough. But speaking of Pokemon, you know, all, all of us know that you are, you know, one of the most well-known roles that you've done throughout these years is you voiced the main character of Pokemon, Ash. So right. kinda, how did you get that role? And kind of, what does that role mean to you even today? Um, well, I, the, the first part of the question is the most boring answer is that <laughs> I had an audition for it. Um, they, I just got a call to come in. So um, I auditioned many times for that. We had uh, like the audition, a callback, 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 even, gosh, we, I don't think we were assured that we would keep those roles pretty much for the whole eight years we were working on the show. It was always like, you can be replaced at any point. So um, you better behave. <laughs> um, the, uh, what was the second part? The, how did I get the thing and what does it mean to me? Pokemon means so much to me, but more so now, 20 years plus later than it did when I was working on it because I understand so much more the impact that something can have on people. Um, and it, it really reinforces to me the fact that you need to show up, give 100% in whatever job you do, because you don't know that little drop in the, in the pond, how far it can ripple out. And the fact that I can go to a convention, the fact that I'm invited to a convention, the fact that I'm invited to speak on your show, um, and that because Pokemon has touched so many people's lives in such a deep and um, meaningful way, um, that's for me the, the, the greatest thing of all, that we have a common place to get together, to become friends, to talk about something that means a lot, and then we learn that we have so much more in common. I think that's what Pokemon is all about anyway, about the power of positivity and friendship and um, helping others along while you are on your own journey, you know? And that's, that's what we're doing here. That's what conventions do. It's all about community and showing your care and support for one another, mm -hmm. so. And you know, Pokemon is a very unique show because <laughs> I will say, you know, anime, is a very interesting uh, genre of media because, you know, cartoons, video games, you know, very easy to get into as a child. However, at least here in the West, unless you were, and again, guys, I'm painting with a broad brush here, but I will say it's, it's an easy argument to make that unless you grew up in the Toonami generation, like I did, you know, at least if you live here in the West, you probably didn't get into anime until later in your life. That said, except for one show in particular, which would be Pokemon. That definitely did bridge the gap for a lot of kids growing up. And you voiced the Ash that many of us watching right now grew up with. So, you know, during that, you know, just voicing Ash, did you ever realize it would turn into as big as it did? I didn't, actually. <laughs> I loved working on the show and it, it meant a lot to me. It was never the only job I had, sure. but it was one of the most important jobs in terms of how I felt and cared about it. Um, but no, I, I, I would never have dreamed, especially in 1998, that here we would be in 2020 still talking about it, that it goes on in such a, a wonderful and, um, connecting way. Sure. Uh, no, I, I had no idea. 
Well, speaking of massive franchises that you are a part of, I also want to talk a little bit about Sailor Moon. So you've always Sailor okay. Pluto, you know, represent. Yes. So kind of, how was that? Was that any similarities between Sailor Moon and Pokemon? Obviously not in content, but like kind of portraying those characters, both franchises of which really connect with people even today. I think for me, because I'm in the later version of Sailor Moon, uh, I, I had a real understanding of the fandom and how important it was to people. And to be so welcomed in by everyone was extraordinary. And so the, the show, because I know I've seen it before and now we redubbed old episodes and then we were dubbing new episodes. And so to know that you are a part of something, like with Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles as well, like to know that you're part of something that was someone's childhood and still continues to be an important part of their life. Um, for, for Sailor Moon especially, knowing how much people care about it uh, impacted my working on it more so. Um, it, doesn't, it doesn't impact how I approach the character because you are directed to do things in a very specific way and it's not, I don't know that they are saying people want to see this so let's act it in this way. They were very specific about how they wanted Sailor Pluto to be. And um, I, I, you can only hope that the fans like that, but they were, there was not a lot of, um, when you work on a new project, you can bring a little bit more to it. But for this, it was just very specific, if that makes sense. Oh, it makes perfect sense. But uh, did you have any favorite kind of Sailor Scouts during, uh, you know, while you were in that show or was it just kind of, or Sailor Pluto, your favorite? Well, Sailor Pluto is my favorite, of but of course, <laughs> who, whose favorite isn't Sailor Moon? I mean, she's my favorite. She's yeah. the one who takes us through everything. We are on the adventure with her. Sailor Pluto is as a like very far out her guardian. Mm -hmm. um, she is someone who, who does support and adds to that journey, but it's, it's Sailor Moon's evolution. It's her journey. It's, um, we learn how to be through Sailor Moon. Mm -hmm and then through the people with whom she associates. Sure, sure. Well, uh, in a similar vein, uh, we're gonna go back to Pokemon a little bit. Okay. <laughs> I think I know the answer to this question, but I'm gonna ask it anyway. Okay. What's some of your favorite Pokemon? Pikachu. Naturally. Yes. Mm -hmm. um, I just think that um, Ikue Otani is the most amazing actress and how she can make saying Pikachu come out in so many different emotional ways. Uh, she's my favorite and that's what makes Pikachu my favorite. Um, I think uh, Trico, I've always had a lot of lizards as pets. Um, Charizard, who doesn't need a Charizard to fly over traffic in Los Angeles and New York City. Um, but otherwise I, I choose based on those kind of superficial things rather than how powerful they are. Squirtle wears sunglasses, you know, who doesn't want to be part of a squad? Sure. Um, so I'm on the outside of why I choose things rather than for how they can help me win a battle. I, I dig it. I dig it. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you've voiced so many characters throughout the years from different forms of media, be they cartoons, anime, movies, video games. Is there any different things that you have to tailor those voices to to fit the media? Or is it all in a sense, kind of the same process? Well, um, I think, so the, the answer is yes. 
Um, you, every project calls for a different type of energy or a different approach, essentially. So when you're auditioning, a lot of um, cartoons want real voices now. So you have to decide what's real and how to be kind of a normal character without being flat. Um, and then, so you're that, or you want something that's um, hyped up, that's anime, that's cartoony. You know, um, you have to kind of, since we're all alone, especially now, and more so the industry has gone in the last few years to auditioning from home. So you never get to audition in front of a casting director anymore. So you have to constantly imagine, gosh, what are they looking for? You have to do more homework because you have to say, is this show already established? What do the voices sound like? How do I fit into this world they've created with this piece that I'm auditioning for? Mm -hmm. So um, yeah, I think you have to take in so many things uh, to, to consider uh, mm -hmm. when you are approaching any character. Um, when I work on audiobooks, you also have to temper it with um, what's the age range for the listener? Um, how do you, if it's a mystery, how do you bring the mystery in to the narration and the characters? How do you um, give the characters a voice that doesn't give away who the bad person is? Um, you know, all of those things. So you're constantly, um, I, I don't know, thinking and rethinking and trying to figure out what would you like to listen to? What I like to listen to is not necessarily the same as what you would like to listen to or a 10-year-old or a 70-year-old, you know? So you have to kind of constantly figure out what voice, what energy can you give to this? And, and at the same time, what do they really want you to give them? Sure. Well, so a lot of the characters that you voice, you have a wide range of, you know, vocal ranges. And so I'm sure some of them take a lot more dexterity and oomph than others. So kind of, how do you prepare and actually do those voices? And for the more dexterous, dexterous ones, are there any kind of like, you know, remedies or uh, things you do to kind of care for your voice after the fact? Uh, yeah, I think definitely for me moving to Los Angeles, it's very dry here. Mm -hmm. So I have to take care of myself in a different way. Um, I think it's dehydration essentially. So. I have to drink more water, but also water like with coconut water, maybe added or more avocado or things like that, that are more um, hydrating. Um, overall, the, the, I think the, the biggest challenge is when you have to um, yell a lot and how do you place the voice in a spot where you're not just yelling from like, I'm not going to yell in my tiny apartment, <laughs> neighbors will come. But if you're like, that's here, ha, that's open a bit more, ha, more open. So you have to figure out how to use your voice in the best way so that you're not damaging your vocal cords. Um, certainly after a pretty heavy duty um, session, you may want to not speak. There's a lot of um, help that vocal rest can do to just let you recuperate. Um, overall though, you know, it's, it's just the energy of like, you're all the way up here and then you're like down in here and then maybe here so you're using your whole range and that helps to um it's kind of like if you're doing a workout and you go for a run and then you do push-ups and um and then maybe yeah, pull-ups you're using your whole body if you're only doing like lifts on one arm that one arm is going to get really tired and the rest of your body is kind of a limp noodle so you want to make sure you try to go through your whole range every day Mm -hmm. um, that helps to keep you in better shape, sure. ultimately.
ultimately. Well, yeah. you, know, you are massively well-known in the industry. So, you know, you've gone to, I'm sure, plenty of conventions. So I just got to ask, do you have any funny convention stories? You know, back when, you know, physical conventions were uh, more of a thing. No, I really miss that. I miss seeing people hugging. I miss really hearing people's stories. I miss being able to say something in Ash's voice in someone's ear or talking to tiny children who are just so amazing. And um, I meet so many people in their 30s who are big fans of Pokemon. And it's just that um, knowing that we, we are all real and we're the same. And I, I just, I really miss that. Um, you know, kooky things don't happen to me so much at conventions as much as amazingly genuine moments where people tell me about well I think first of all the fact that I have time at a convention where we can spend a moment and really connect um, that I can hear people's stories of how they would come home from school and watch the show with their grandmother and how they bonded with their best friend or how they found their partner through um, a forum or by a tournament or um, gosh how Nowadays, I often meet three generations of Pokemon fans. You have the, um, like the grandparent, the parent, and the child. And the parent was 10 when the show was on, and now their child is into it. And how many people give their Pokemon cards to their kid? It's incredible how generous people are. Um, but then you have the grandparent who watched the show with their child at the time. So I do get a chance to see that. That's extraordinary. How many people have that, really? Well, I think Star Trek fans. Well. They, have. <laughs> they might have four generations. <laughs> fair, fair. That's a fair point. Which yeah, actually, yeah. Which actually brought up a good thing I wanted to talk about. So your child, are they fans of any of your work as well, kind of growing up? I mean, I'm sure they were right there with you during all of that. Uh, well, I was pregnant with my daughter during the first season of Pokemon. So um, she was conveniently born... <laughs> at our little break right after the first season ended, which was terrific. Yeah. Um, I, would, I would like to say she was a giant fan <laughs> of everything I did, but really it's because I made her watch um, everything I did. Or we, the only Saturday morning cartoons we watched were ones I was in. Mm. <laughs> Not really, no, we watched other things. <laughs> um, but my daughter is also part of the Pokemon family. She's come to mostly all conventions with me since she was four um, because I couldn't leave town if she didn't come with me. So we have, we kind of forged our own Pokemon journey together and meeting people and um, gosh, she's learned so much about how to be a better human being as have I from going to conventions and um, just the interactions and the friends we've made and, and how that's just an important part of our lives actually. Conventions. Honestly, conventions are some of the best. And you know, I, guys, I know I'm a little biased because I work for one. But just mm. you know, conventions in general, are just like you said, you said it best. Just a big sense of community that you really yeah. don't find kind of anywhere yeah. else. But community acceptance, support, kindness. Um, you can have an idea, and people love it. You can network with people there, and um, find ways to work on a project together. There's it's just a, an amazing microcosm of what the world should be, where you can really be yourself and, and you have many, many people who love you for that. And that's what I think is great. And, and that's, I think, the hardest part of this lockdown for the whole pandemic. First of all, we're all going through it. So that's a bonding 
thing. We can all care about the health of each other. Um, but, but more so, we are missing that um, really being, being able to see people that you know at a convention. You go to the same one every year. You run into your friends. You, you make new friends. Um, that's, that, I think, is the hardest because we need to be able to reach out and say, I see you. I love you, you know? Oh, that is so sweet. Well, guys, it's true. Sure. Well, guys, yeah. before we continue, for those of you watching live here on Facebook, plenty of you already have either message VisionCon directly, your comments or questions for Veronica Taylor, or done it in the live chat, but you guys feel free to do so, because towards the end, I'm going to read some of them for Veronica Taylor. But okay. I also wanted to mention, in that live chat are also plenty of links that are associated with Veronica Taylor that have been posted by the one and only Marissa Pence, AKA the wind beneath my sails. Thank you so much, Marissa. But, there you if, go. but if you're watching this later on YouTube, just gonna be down there in the description below. But Veronica, I wanted to ask you next, a lot of people that watch this show obviously are huge fans of the guests that we have on, but we've also noticed that plenty of them also are people who are interested in getting into the industry or are already taking that step and just kind of need to know what to do next. So my next questions are, how do you deal with rejection? Now, rejection, huge part of just life in general, but I would say if there was ever an industry where rejection is probably biggest, it would definitely be your industry. 95% of your job. So how do you deal with rejection? Does it ever get any easier? Or if it doesn't, how do you handle it? I think, um, does it, it, I would say it, no, it doesn't get any easier, but there's better ways to deal with it. Um, you, the thing about it is the fact that you audition for something and don't get cast. There are so many factors involved in you not being the chosen one. So you need to be able to approach an audition with, um, the give it your hundred percent, give it your best, and then walk away. Um, there's, I have auditioned for so many things and not gotten them. Um, and so, yeah, it does hit me in a wave sometimes like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I didn't, I didn't hear back about that. I didn't, you know, all of that stuff. But ultimately for your own self-preservation, you need to realize that you, your audition is the job and you need to do your best for that. And then if something else comes of it, then that's a, a plus. But um, I think taking classes and continuing to challenge yourself, working on things, trying new things with your audition, that always helps. When you feel like you're being challenged, you are happier um, because you're more productive and you're more creative. But otherwise, um, life it was never meant to to be about you being judged by someone else. And unfortunately, it often feels like that when you are, I think in any creative field, that if you're not getting the recognition that you need or the, gosh, the paycheck that you need so you can pay your rent, you know, all of that stuff, it's hard to not feel judged or to not feel unworthy, but you have to just press on because that's your calling. Um, but it's really hard, but we're all in the same boat together. So. At least, you know. <laughs> sure, sure. Yeah. Well, in a similar vein, so, you know, a lot of people watch the show, you know, are interested in getting into voice acting and just, you know, the entertainment business in general. So for someone who has really carved, you know, 
a big path in the industry. Let us pretend for a moment, Veronica Taylor, that I am the physical embodiment of all the folks watching at home that want right. to get into this industry or already are and just need to know what to do next so that they can may one day become the next Veronica Taylor. What hey. advice would you give them? Well, not for a long time. <laughs> um, well, first of all, I do think that's a good point is you don't want to be like someone else. You want to bring your own unique style, energy, voice to whatever projects you're working on. And I do think sometimes it's fine to emulate what you hear. So you use it to practice, but ultimately no one, they want you to be you and you'll be cast for what you bring specifically. So I would keep that in mind. Um, I would say to you, Zach, every man who's ever wanted to be an actor, um, I think the first most important thing for me is that you are an actor. Um, I think working on your acting skills, you need to be able to do anything that you're called upon to do. So that means on camera, on stage, on mic. Um, you don't want to limit yourself to saying, I only do child voices, so I'm hoping I can get this job. Because with such a narrow focus, there's always some success story. But with such a narrow focus, where do you find fulfillment? Um, you want to be able to do everything. Um, so I would say take classes. My work is often in the moment, meaning I don't have time to prep a script. When I do an audiobook, I do read the whole script, the whole book. Um, but for cartoons, I rarely see the script ahead of time, uh, nor do I see it even five minutes ahead. It's just right. It's handed to you and you start. So, um, for that, my training is what pulls me through. I can look at something and analyze very quickly what's happening in the scene, what my objective is, what the other person wants from me and how I'm countering that. So acting classes, I think that helps with your voice classes. It teaches you how to use your full range, how to breathe. Um, I think going to college is a great thing because it teaches you about other things, science, math, history, um, anything like that. You can, you networking is an important part of being an actor. So why not have things to talk about at a party? Not, you don't want to just talk about your career. You want to be able to talk about the latest expedition to Mars or maybe John Lewis and what an incredible man he was and continues to be so that you can be aware of everything. Then you can play people more authentically or animals or whatever you're called upon to play. Um, so I think that's it. Taking classes, um, learning as much as you can about life, humanity, um, and then networking, and which includes doing a demo. So you want to have a demo that's about a minute to two minutes long that showcases what you do. I think most people have a separate animation, commercial, maybe um, audiobook, all of that stuff. Something that shows your range, uh, shows that you, um, you're an actor. Which you, you actually said it best yourself, and it was something I kind of want to explore a little more. Because like mm -hmm. I said earlier in this interview, guys, you know, voice acting and acting, two sides of the same coin, you know. They're right. the same thing in essence. So if you ever watched any animated movie and go do like a behind the scenes thing, like the bonus features, when they show that the voice actors or the actors that are voicing these characters, they're not just going like, you know, blah, 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 and talking. No, they're getting into right. it. So kind of- right. How does that kind of, how does the acting translate into the voices that you give these characters kind of in a general sense? 
Well, I, you have to create the full character and then it just funnels down to only come out your mouth. Whereas on stage or on screen, you are allowed to be bigger or just a look can uh, show emotion or um, get an idea across. But in animation, that look has to translate into a sound. And so you, when I th would throw the ball as Ash, I would still, you know, like, uh, Pokeball, go! And that, uh, in there. But you can't really move because you'll hit the mic or your clothes make sound. And, um, but you still have to embody the character fully. You just don't have the um, advantage of being able to raise an eyebrow to get the point across. Sure, sure. Well, you brought up that you do a lot of audiobooks, and I did want to ask, are there any unique challenges to doing audiobooks versus, you know, your other projects? The wonderful thing about audiobooks is that you get to, as the actor, you get to play everyone. You get to create the whole play, the whole story, and try to bring about what the author intended. You're the voice of the author. So it's a huge honor. Um, it's hard work. You sit very still for, you know, six to eight hour sessions. I think I've done as long as 12 hour sessions. Um, it's, it's very hard because you are just in one place. Um, you're the same for doing animation, but often you can stand or you do get a few more breaks in there. Audiobooks, it's not, you don't get as many breaks. And you can't really, because you've got to stay, you're on a roll, so you have to keep going. Um, but then preparation-wise, it can take days to prep a book because you have to get through it, you have to look up pronunciations, you have to figure out what the voices are, accents, all of that kind of stuff. So it's all great, but <laughs> yeah. Well, one last question before we go into the plug zone, guys. I okay. didn't ask, obviously, you have voiced so many characters throughout the years. You know, if we pulled up your IMDb page, Veronica Taylor, and talked about every character, we'd be here for days. But right. I did want to ask, were there any characters that have really stuck with you throughout the years that, you know, at the end of the day, you'll happily kind of hang your hat on? Or do they all just kind of have a special place in your heart? Uh, well, th they all definitely have a special place in my heart, for sure. sure. Um, Ash, I got to play for eight years, so he's my favorite character uh, because I really got to know him inside and out. And um, he, he was the most, he's not a very exciting character to play because he's the, the straight man, you know? But, but the heart that came through what he was saying and then, you know, obviously a battle scene is pretty good or, <laughs> you know, um, for just acting wise, it's fun. But, but he is the, the most real character in a sense that I've, I've really gotten to play Yukino on his and her circumstances. Another character like that, very real, and yet she can go from being happy to sad to angry in a minute and all over the place, which is kind of how we all are if we didn't know that you can't be like that. <laughs> you get in trouble. Um, but that Amelia in Slayers, um, I, she was one of my first big roles that I played and the energy that she has and again, the positivity. I love her. Sailor Pluto, very challenging because she's so contained and reserved that um, I'm not that way. So it's really hard to, to really rein everything in, to still show how much she cares, but with, um, gosh, so little emotion being able to be shown. Um, 
I could go on and on, sure. but there's questions. Let's get to some questions. <laughs> you got it. But before we get to that, ladies yes. and gentlemen, this is your last chance to either ask questions by messaging VisionCon directly or in the live chat, because ladies and gentlemen, we're in the plug zone. Veronica Taylor, now is your chance to promote, advertise, plug, whatever verb you want to use, anything you want. The floor is yours. Okay. Uh, well, I'm always working on something. I'm not very good at plugging what that is. I will be at the Happy Space PopCon this weekend on Saturday. I have a panel and then doing autographs. Um, I'm doing a Sailor Moon with Streamily. We're doing a Sailor Moon weekend. I think that's next weekend. And my daughter and I are working on some really fun stuff that we're putting on our YouTube channel that will be more kind of arts and crafts and working on things with kids like a you know summer campy type of thing um and we're also kind of trying to expand that out a little bit to um to to reach people i guess in a way um i'm working on a lot of projects books cartoons whatever and that i usually post all about that on social media mm -hmm. and if they wanted to follow you both to get more of that info but also be just to see a little snippet in your everyday life where would they find you i am on um twitter and Instagram, at the, T-H-E, Veronica T. Facebook, I'm on the Veronica Taylor. Um, YouTube, I guess Veronica Taylor. I don't know how to find my page, but it's there. It has a picture of me and my daughter. And um, uh, am I on anything else? I have a website that's being rebuilt, veronicataylor.net. Uh, we have another one coming up that we're going to put our projects on. So that will be soon. So, you know, stuff. And stuff, yeah, and Facebook as well. And speaking of those links, guys, all of those links, if you're watching live or in the live chat, or if you're watching this later on YouTube, they're gonna be in the description below. And with that said, we're out of the plug zone, guys, and into viewers' comments and questions. Awesome. So guys, thankfully, again, the wind beneath my sails, Marissa Pence, hasn't compiled all your guys' questions. So I'm gonna read off those in the comments and on the messenger. So give me just one sec, guys. All righty, guys. All right, question number one, we're going to go with... Okay, so Aaron wanted to know, because May's Pokemon coordinator, which of these characters would you want to design, coordinate, outfit, Fairy Godmother, Edna Mode, or Elsa the Snow Queen? I think that uh, May would love to... I might be misunderstanding this uh, question, but... Um... I think she would like to dress up as Elsa. Okay. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I think and with a long wig. And I think the thing is, May has so much responsibility that the fact that she could just dress up as something and just go in a costume somewhere, I think she would really like that. Well, Sarah wrote in and wanted to know, are there anything, any shows that you're not in that you're a big fan of? Uh, I watch a lot of public television. So we watch a lot of British mysteries. I wish I were in that. They are so dramatic and they always cry. I would like to be in that. Um, anything. Um, I love um, any superhero cartoons. I love, uh, I'm a big Star Trek fan. I'm a huge Star Wars fan. I'm a huge um, Zoe's Extraordinary, uh, uh, what's the rest of that name? You know that TV show that's on it? Yeah. Zoe's Extraordinary, blah, 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 blah. Wouldn't that be a cool show to be on? So, that, um, so like those are mostly live action things, I guess. But um, I love every single thing I audition for. So 
all of those shows I wish I were in. <laughs> sure. That's a okay. tough question. Not, but well, Jacob wanted to know, so could yeah. you say something motivational for me as Ash? And also, could you tell my friend Maya that she's a great artist as Ash? Uh, hey, Maya, you're a great artist. And uh, what did you say your name was who needed inspiration? Jacob. Uh, hey, Jacob, uh, the first thing I have to say is wear a mask. Second thing I have to say is um, don't get close to people. Third, follow your dreams. Because if you're not going after your goal, you can't achieve it. <laughs> and I meant can't achieve it perfect okay so zachary uh tuned in not me and yeah. asked a two-part question for veronica how do you feel looking back on how both i'm gonna i'm probably gonna butcher this i i apologize in advance uh mattel legend and harlock saga how, how do i feel looking back on those yeah, and then what is your take on the South Park episode, Chin Pokemon? Okay, so the first question is, oh. yeah. How Did, do you I didn't see the South Park episode. Did they all have seizures or something? I would think they would have done that. Yeah, I, I, that was the most horrible thing related to Pokemon, and I would think South Park would have made fun of that. Um, I didn't see South Park. I, I actually love that show. It's so weird and offensive um, that I didn't watch it for a long time because I don't normally watch things that, um, have bad words in them or a lot of violence. But I do like the show and I find it pretty funny now because mm. all of our senses of humor have been warped now from <laughs> lockdown. Um, but it was, I worked on so many cool anime projects um, in the early 2000s, in the aughts. And um, I, I love the animation style. I, I couldn't tell you what they were all about because I only saw my lines, as I only do when you do something that you dub. Um, so I couldn't tell you what the storyline was, but I liked the characters. Um, and really, I loved working on them, especially in these early years up till now, working in New York. Um, we never previewed anything. We just, we got the script and started. And it was so exciting and challenging and just to be able to even get something in one take often or to just keep, the thing would just keep rolling and we just keep keep dubbing and you're looking at the script and you're looking up and it was just really exciting and the energy of all of us involved was, um, it was really fantastic. Nobody took it for granted at all. It was just exciting to be working on such weird and fun stuff. Well, Rachel tuned in and wants to know, what is your favorite cookie? Oh my gosh. Well, um, I love peanut butter cookies, but mostly only if I make them because when I get them somewhere, they aren't peanut buttery enough. And I love peanut butter cookies with the Hershey Kiss in the middle. Um, I make the world's best ginger snaps. It's my grandmother's recipe. And um, uh, let's stop there. <laughs> Fair <laughs> enough. Well, we have time for one last question, guys. So okay. I wrote in and wanted to know, which Marvel team would you want Sailor Pluto to team up with? The Avengers or Guardians of the Galaxy? Oh, Guardians of the Galaxy. Because maybe then you'd see her sense of humor. Because it's in there, but sure. she never gets let it out. You have to imagine that her standing there guarding the, the time-space portal, sure. that she must be thinking of some pretty funny things, but she has no one to tell it to. <laughs> yeah, so if she was with Guardians of the Galaxy, she'd actually get to say some of those jokes. <laughs> and um, I think we'd find out she was pretty funny. 
the shenanigans that they would <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> well, ladies and gentlemen, that's all the time we have. So thank you so much for tuning in to VisionCon Live, episode 21. Now, before we wrap things up, Veronica Taylor, any final thoughts you want to leave us on? Um, well, first of all, I want to say thank you to everyone. Please stay safe. Seriously, wear a mask. Um, we, we have to squish this virus, and the only way we're going to do that is to keep your germs to yourself. So stay out of crowds, wear a mask. Please be safe so we can meet up again very soon. But thank you for spending the time with us. Zach, thank you for having me on the show. It means so much to me. Thank you so much. And with that said, guys, make sure you check out the links down below in the description. And make sure you also check out Veronica Taylor tomorrow for Happy Space PopCon if you're watching this live. But until next time, ladies and gentlemen, this has been episode 21 of VisionCon Live. Thank you so much for joining us. Make sure to tune in this Sunday, August 2nd at 7.30 p.m. Central Standard Time for my interview with Chuck Huber voice of Android 17 from Dragon Ball, Shao Tucker from Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood, and a plethora of others. But until next time, guys, I'm your host, Zach Wilson. But much more importantly, this has been my special guest, Veronica Taylor. You guys stay safe out there. And always remember, guys, that life's better when you have friends to share it with.